0: Hey, you, you stay fucking put, mister. I don't need you getting up and pulling a, <laughs> pulling a muscle like KD or or, or James Harden. This, this is, the, this is If I
1: go down, I'm bringing the microphone with me.
0: <laughs> stay <laughs> your ass in the chair.
1: Do it from the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this totally needs to be part of the intro. All right. Season two, episode 14, Stats the Matter, Formula One recap, B's and C's, which is ironically, our grades for the Bruins and Celtics this season. And Tim, now we got to talk about those goddamn Paul brothers again, don't we? I think we do. Might even throw a little bit of
1: golf in there.
0: Uh, it's been, it's been requested,
1: actually. Uh, someone yeah. reached out and said, hey, when are you two going to stop? Uh, uh, when, are you, when are you guys going to finish your, uh, your your bitching and moaning about uh, the Paul brothers? Because they want to hear it. Because now I have to take my medicine. So... <laughs> well, kind of. Kind of. Anyway. Kind of, yeah,
0: that's the way it happens. In our cups this week, sour IPA from Burlington, Vermont. And a double IPA from, you guessed it, if you put a call, like a, like a Robin Hood call on whether or not the Stats Matter podcast was going to say it, we're doing it. North Haven, Connecticut. There it is. Cash it in. Take it right. to the bank. Find stats no matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Foster, social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get into the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. As I am cracking uh, this beer here. The Sour IPA called Constellations from Foam Brewing out of Burlington, mm-hmm. Vermont. Um, I, I got to say, Tim, I, I've I've been to two baseball games now nice. with fans in the stand. Uh, the first one, everyone was kind of like, uh, yeah, they they lost. The Cincinnati, The Nationals lost the Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. It was not a close game. It was like 3-0, which doesn't really sound like a lot, right? But some games, you know, teams just can't get their bats going. And then I was at a game this weekend. Um, had some family come in town. Went out to go see the Giants. Nationals, and I walk in the stadium, Schwarber, leadoff home run, mm. and that stadium just erupted. I'm in line to get beers, and everyone's like, Whoa! <laughs> I'm thinking, are those the cicadas? What is making that noise? And I'm like, oh, it's glorious. There's like 17,000 people in the stadium. And I was like, all right, we back, baby. It was pretty I good. Like it's it pretty good. Really excited. Sports tickets have not gone down in price whatsoever. No, but that's fine.
1: No, they probably uh, they probably won't for a little bit. Everyone's kind of rushing back to uh, get themselves involved more and more. Um, I mean, I'm here for it. I haven't made it to one yet, but uh, I'm not opposed to it. I've done a done several public gatherings. Our little uh, our little town here, which has a bunch of. Uh, great little events every year you know obviously a lot of that was postponed last year that's all come back now so we got out and about and in the wild ourselves um sorry for missing last week i took it as an opportunity to go down to long island to see um my wife's grandparents who are in their late 90s and still chugging along playing golf playing baseball out doing you know young kid things at the at the ripe old age of uh 95 um i haven't seen him in a while obviously with everything going on in new york uh my family we've all been vaccinated my uh my uh mother and father-in-law they did as well so figured it was a good opportunity to head down and see those guys so everything's kind of starting to get back to normal a little bit it feels it feels normal now or at least it's it's getting there right we we had a we had a mask on you know getting on to the ferry just because there's a lot of people crowding in those little places Oh but, yeah. uh once once we were there and you know I stood in the the little lounge on the way uh home and had a beer and it was the first time I stood in a beer uh stood in a bar setting and had a beer uh even if it was just a couple of us and shot the shit about um uh a hockey game watching you know I don't I think it was the the Vegas Knights game on the way back from uh Las Vegas and I mean sorry on the way back from New York and the bartender behind uh the counter was so amped just to have sports conversation sports banter back that when I went to cash out he slid me another I mean we were 5 minutes from <laughs> from getting where we were going so uh you know it was it was a quick second beer but you know he's like hey man it's just nice to have you know that aspect of this job back so thank you and that was the first moment for me where things felt like they were getting back on track so oh yeah it was a quick psa
0: don't don't come out of the 2020 pandemic and not tip oh no tip tip no. everything i no, don't uh, yeah yeah tip yeah yeah 100 yeah, percent. well tim i'm very i'm very glad you got to do that um i'm gonna crack into this beer constellation sour ipa um sour ipas are just one of those things that uh either love them or you hate them mm. I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. Sour beers, I'm cool with. IPAs, I love. You mix the two together. Some are really good. Some are really bad. This one's got Galaxy, Comet, Strata, Caracara Orange, Meyer Lemon, Vanilla, and Lactose. Okay. Sounds like it's going to be quite the ride. 7% Sour IPA. All right. That's That's really interesting. Now I can tell you, I cracked it and the smell hit my nose immediately. And <laughs> it is pungent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Putting on the pucker boots. Here we go. Forty-eight uh million sips and times a prime number. Everyone
2: knows the rules. Oh.
0: Okay. Um, this is lemon. Yeah, this is a lot of lemon. The lactose kind of gives it one of that, like uh, I would say, like sort of like a like a creamsicle, like texture to the beer. I don't hate it, but I'm definitely not gonna be able to drink more than one of these. This is definitely gonna fill me up. Um, a lot, a lot of flavor, a lot of flavor, but a ton of lemon. Not so much in the hop side, and I would think with one, two, three, three different types of hops. Couple citrusy fruits, like you're you're gonna get some some taste in there. A lot of like foam beers have like a really dank weed mm-hmm. taste. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of it. Uh, most IPAs in Vermont have that really dank weed taste to it, anyways. I don't yeah. know if that's just the hops they have up there. So um, it's not overwhelming. It's not underwhelming either. Uh, for me, this is gonna be a solid three seven. I, I would definitely I would definitely drink it uh, again. Uh, but this this to me is like a it's almost like a dessert beer. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like, is it is it supposed to be fashioned after like a lemon meringue or something like that? Like decadent brews, I, some of those.
0: Yeah, and and maybe, but like I've had like key lime beers before, and I've had you know lemon sours, and maybe this is supposed to be like a lemon drop. Maybe that's what, kind, of, mm. kind of what they're going for. I'm not well, really a big fan of that.
1: Yeah, interesting. Three All seven. Right. Fair enough. Well, I got one. Um, short throw brewing is. Um, one that brews out of uh North Haven. Uh it's not part of 12% or any of those other places that we've had from before or if it is it's at least not listed on the can. I don't believe it is. Um uh, but this one's a collaboration between uh Short Throw and Other Half. Um really excited about this one. <clears throat> I try for me I think collaborations tend to kind of do a couple different things. You're starting to see some of these big guys uh Get together with some smaller breweries one helps kind of boost up their sort of uh you know reputation and whatnot but i think it tends to bring some of the best out of some of these small breweries i know uh I, I know these guys distribute quite a bit i think sam mentioned he gets them down where he is so it is one that you can find you know all over a lot of the eastern seaboard at least all the way up through i mean connecticut it's brewed here but you could probably find it in Massachusetts and main and um a lot of those places but this one uh it's made with strata, cashmere, el dorado and citra and it tends to be a little citra heavy. Uh they use strata and cashmere in the dry hopping um which uh from what i understand are, are two that they use pretty regularly now. Um but not ones i see a lot of but right off the bat when you open it it smells anybody who's ever worked or gone to a brewery would know the exact smell that I'm smelling right now. It smells like that wet-hopped, like, boiled door open, like, with all the spent grains spilling out of it. It smells smells exactly like standing inside of a brewery. Smells really good, though. Kind of Brings me back a little bit to uh, to my Black Hawk day, Black Hawk days, which I still got to try and get those guys on here sometime to to chat. But
0: ah, hundred percent.
1: Wow, that is um... uh huh. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, okay. It's it's definitely a little bit more bitter forward. It tastes like I just took a giant bite of a grapefruit, like mm. on mm. the nose. Love, Citus love it. Grapefruit. Well, the problem is I'm not a fan of grapefruit, <laughs> so this is uh, this is <sighs> too bad. Yeah, this is uh, wow. I can't get over how much that tastes like an actual grapefruit. Like I want to sprinkle some some sugar on this and and eat it with a spoon though i've never actually eaten grapefruit like that because like i just said i i actually hate grapefruit <laughs> so, so this one's a tough one I'm, I'm hoping it's just sort of like man hold on i'm this is breaking my heart here
0: he was he was thinking everyone that you know just based off name alone he was gonna give this a uh you know, a four, a four-one. Now he's gonna have to go ahead and break some hearts, give no. it a three-six-five.
1: I might even be less than that, just off of pure like taste profile and my personal preference. Like this thing tastes. Wow, this tastes like I, I actually want to get my wife in here to have a try because I feel like she would, without telling her, I bet she would be willing to identify it to a T as to what this tastes like, but. You know, you know, you know that 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 part in um the
0: Last Dance where MJ yeah. is talking about how like well, that's how I play the game, and if you don't like it, then whatever, we're done. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and he's like crying, he's like break, and he, like you know the cuts away to commercial.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: you're doing right now is irritating me to the point where I'm about to put these headphones down and walk away <laughs> from the computer. What? I, how could you get this is sacrilege, Tim? I, it
1: it breaks my heart. It, it I. <sighs> I literally just sent a text message to my wife asking her to come in here real quick. If she's downstairs, I'm gonna have her try it before I give it a uh, before I give it a rating. While while we're doing that, I
0: forgot to, to to say, this sour IPA is a collab with Clever Girls, a rock band from Burlington, Vermont. Got Shout it. out to Foam and Clever Girls.
1: All right, so here's my Clearly wife. Clearly going
0: to be the best beer of this episode.
1: All right, so here's my wife. Uh, blind taste test. I promise it's not nothing gross. I want you to try like a, a real sip of this. Don't do like the the edge of the... Take a real sip of it and tell me what it tastes like. Yeah. You, you'll probably like it. Okay. Objection.
2: Leading the witness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she went back for a second sip, so she doesn't hate it, but... Well, that's good. Maybe she should be doing What's in My Cup <laughs> instead of you. Right? Yeah. What does it taste like? Grapefruit Grapefruit on the nose, right? Exactly like grapefruit. I don't like grapefruit. Do you want the rest of this beer? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, Um, we are 15 minutes
0: in this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. And Tim is moving to his sidecar from the get go. He's not even going to finish the
1: beer. (laughs) 100% grapefruit, right? It doesn't say grapefruit on the
0: label.
1: Nowhere. Not not a single thing. It says nothing about grapefruit. Tropical, juicy, drinkable double IPA is what they call it. <laughs> and I do not <laughs> like grapefruit. I've tried grapefruit juice before, and I couldn't get through a glass, and I'm not about to you, get through this beer, I don't think. I mean, it Tim, you know if we were to be like, juice. hey, if you want, send us beers. We'll try them
0: you're cutting out 90% of the IPAs we could possibly ever get sent to us. We would I mean, become a uh, stout-only podcast because
1: all these hops and these beers taste like grapefruit. Yeah. Would you like the rest of this beer? Okay. <laughs> well, I'll drink the rest of it for... Hey. Okay, thank hey, you. Wa- wa- hey, what? Hey, what? Come Kyle Cronin, everybody. Thank you. This <laughs> is right, Grapefruit, everyone. This is Grapefruit.
0: Back to Scorch. And if we could leave about 10 minutes in,
2: on uh, a week to... Divulge into bachelor. That would be great.
1: That's what we'll do. We'll wrap up every podcast going forward with a little ten <laughs> with minute a recap. Quick
2: top top uh top two top reactions.
0: Yeah. 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 Top top and it's, and it's a whole whole nother segment. I guess if I could put that hashtag in, we're gonna start
1: getting people from all over the world who are bachelor fans. Does this mean I can uh I can start like I'll I'll tag out for the last ten minutes and tag Kyle in? <laughs> I mean, no. there's no reason not
0: to. Yeah, no, you're But you should sit here so you get educated. Yeah, you're yeah. part of this world. You... Tim, join us for this journey. I refuse. It's the most dramatic ride you'll ever be on. Uh... I...
1: Okay, but I got kicked out. <laughs> wow, we went off
0: the rails there a little bit. We did.
1: But, you know. um, so anyway, uh, everybody, back to the score. I'm gonna give this sucker a three. <laughs> Maybe, and that's that's being generous. I don't know if I'm gonna finish the beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean,
0: I folks, mean, it's been great doing doing this uh, stats matter podcast segment. What's <laughs> in my cup? I think from now on we might just... <laughs> oh boy, I'm a, you know I say
1: I'm gonna choke. Well, keeping thing. it real goes wrong. That's what's happening right now. So let me let me clarify that. That is not. How could you clarify a three? That's not oh, a it's, knock. It's three out of five. A, it's actually not a bad score. Yeah, it's a bad score. It's not a knock necessarily on either brewery or the beer itself, my personal, and they, they may have landed, right? they have landed probably exactly where they want to be. Like, my wife just drank this, and she said, this. she's like, no, this isn't bad. I personally do not like grapefruit and that overly bitter grapefruit flavor, and that is this on the nose. I don't normally associate, I mean, yes, there are some beers out, New England IPAs out there that have that sort of grapefruit back end. I'm not a huge fan of those either, but The term New England IPA has sort of gotten stretched so wide that it covers a whole variety of different beers. Now we're throwing like lactose sugar in it to make them sweet. Then we have, you know, some that are borderline West Coast IPAs. This particular variant is just not one uh I'm a I'm a huge fan of, only because it's it is grapefruit and I'm only scoring it off of my personal preference. I can tell by the 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 mouthfeel the The way it looks, all of it, it is a high quality beer. The flavor profile is just not in my wheelhouse, and I would love to. I would have loved to give this a four or five because of those two breweries. It's just, in my opinion, I don't like grapefruit. If you love grapefruit, this should be on the top of your list. This would be something very highly rated I, on Untapped. I think I saw this has like a four two, a four three, or something like that. So. Majority of people out there do like it. Just uh just stain it for me, fam. Sorry, guys. Ah, that is
0: that is absolutely wild. <laughs> absolutely wild. But
1: so, you know I'm sorry, I'm about to wash it down in the high life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. That's what's in our cups. Um unbeknownst to Tim uh and his rating, definitely I'll go find short on? throw and other half beers wherever you can get them because they match the hype, yeah. Except I mean, for it's,
1: someone, it's about to be a "What's in my drain?" <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no! no, no, no. no. I will, I will drink all, I will drink all, all four of them. Um, but yeah, it's just it's maybe maybe this I'm, is something like cold setting outside, like when it's really cold, but it's like really hot outside. Be one of those refreshing balances, maybe. But uh, <clears throat> am I gonna have to
0: not tag? at short throw or at other half am i gonna have to hashtag it so it doesn't like
1: it? you know what
0: i mean because we can go what, ahead and leave we
1: can go ahead and leave them off this one altogether and just <laughs> let them find us by yeah. sheer happenstance what if, yeah what if what if they
0: because a couple breweries shout out to to blaze and armada you know they've liked some of the posts we put up yeah. but what if we happen to get an obligatory like it they listen to the episode and they go you know fuck these guys <laughs> we're, yeah. we're never i mean
1: you know I'm i mean to, to, fan, to be fair we have never been provided beer from any of these breweries. So uh Well It's not like we necessarily need to worry about not getting any of them uh sent to us. But uh no, I mean I'm just I'm just trying to be honest. I'm just trying to, you know, give what my my particular take on a beer is and just that one's not it for me. That's all. Ugh. All right. Well,
0: go find those beers. <laughs> Give your own score, and it better be a three point one or above. That's all I gotta say about that. All right, let's talk a little Formula One. I've I've been saying it for a few episodes now. Formula One is great this year. It really is. Um, of course, in the pandemic, we we had a much much shorter condensed version uh, of content. The race was you know pretty much humming along. The same people that we thought were going to win the constructors' cup. Um, did right? They brought the trophy home with Mercedes, and Lewis Hamilton won his seventh. This season has been crazy. There's been mental errors and mistakes. There have been a lot of wild things to happen in races that a lot of people were not really forecasting. And the Azerbaijan Grand Prix continued that trend. Okay, um, Tim, if I was to tell you that the number one and number two rank- ranked drivers in the world. Both didn't finish this race, Well, one did one had a a tire blowout at a high speed and the other one had a restart restart error where they forgot that their brakes didn't didn't work. You know, you you would say like, no, that's not Formula One. That has to be like the minor leagues. But it was insane. Formula One is just there, there is so much drama going on right now. There's been a lot of mental mistakes, and Grand Prix in Azerbaijan was really no different. Tim, imagine you're going down the straight. The start finish straight. 51 laps into a 65 lap race. You're going almost 197 miles an hour, and your tire blows. And that's it. You're out of the race. You've led for the majority of those 50 prior laps, you have a tire blowout. But oh wait, someone earlier in the race from another team had the same tire blowout on the same stretch of the race. Neither one of those two people would finish the race. Sergio Perez gets his first win of this season, which is incredible. Red Bull is clearly pouncing and their strategy is working. Um, And then Lewis Hamilton, on the restart decided to cut for the inside and forgot that he had turned his brake magic off. And I encourage you to take a look at that. There are many, many, uh, YouTube videos that talk about that, but but basically in a nutshell, brake magic heats up the entire braking system and allows the tires to get up to speed. Uh, and for restarts, it's really good. And he made a mental error and he, he clicked it off, but he clicked it back on and then he forgot about it. So he went into the, the first turn on the restart and he wanted to turn, he wanted to break, and it didn't happen. So he just went straight, and everyone else went right by him. And for a seven-time world champion to end up P14 in a Grand Prix is pretty bad. Um, it was an incredible, incredible, incredible race. Um, and we are now heading into a string of three Grand Prix back-to-back. Um, the Turkish Grand Prix, I believe, has been canceled. So we're going to possibly have two Grand Prix events in the United States this season which is fantastic. Um, but I mean, like, look, if I told you before this race, Sergio Perez for a Red Bull will be P1. Sebastian Vettel will be P2 for Aston Martin after his teammate, Lance Stroll, had a tire blowout. The same thing with Max Verstappen. in third place would be Pierre Gasly from AlphaTauri, who low-key rides for Red Bull. You, you would think to yourself, like, that's, that's pretty insane. Like, I don't think that's, that's a possibility. There's just so much good talent, and we did not get anything but a super unique race. Uh, the, the French Grand Prix is coming up this weekend, uh, and I am just I'm super excited about it. I, I say it all the time. You just got to go and watch Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. You can just pick up any one of those seasons, and and you'll you'll be right as rain. Um, but by the time you hear this, qualifying will have begun for the French Grand Prix, and three. Like three races back to back to
1: back coming up, so I'm very very, very excited about it. Nice. I keep I keep uh, seeing them come through, advertising something. I keep intending to watch, and I just I don't like sleep
0: in on on a Sunday morning
1: <laughs> because what would you rather do at uh, eight fifty five? Well, eight fifty five. Well, now my Sundays, up until this point, I was getting off of work at six a.m. on uh, Sunday morning, and now it's changed a little bit. Where I get out at midnight. Most of the time, I'm trying. So usually more like two o'clock, three o'clock. So I'm sleeping. one of these days. I'll start catching them because I would really like to actually. No, honest. I I actually and you know
0: you asked me, I think like five, six episodes back now. Like, oh, would you ever really like get into you know the IndyCar series? Um, I tried. Yeah, I watched I watched the race. I tried. I just I couldn't get into it. It's just, it's to me it's just not as exciting. I'd rather watch NASCAR than than IndyCar. You know, it's just. Just the way Oof. it is. Oof. <laughs> let's let's move on though. Let's talk about who you're probably gonna watch your friends draft <laughs> in fantasy football this year, uh, and that's Julio Jones. He he gets uh, traded to the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Putting on team, you know, putting the team on his back. He's in camp. He's making all these plays against yep. nobody. And everyone's like, oh my God, the Tennessee Titans are going to be the team to beat this year. And I just pumped the brakes for two seconds. I love that Julio gets to stretch his career a little bit longer. I love the fact that he's joining an absurd talent collection in the Music City. What I don't love is the fantasy nightmare that this is going to precipitate for anyone who drafts Titans players. And I don't mean that in anything but a bad way. A.J. Brown is getting you... 10 to 15 points a week. And some some weeks he goes off, but he like he, that's a very very safe floor. Now, you have Julio. You you're going to have to put those targets somewhere. Oh, and by the way, you still have to feed Derrick Henry. So, uh, for me, I'm just saying Tim, I'm not going to actively target Julio. Uh I mean, he yes, he had a he had a, a down season last year, but Julio is a guy that it's feast or famine. You know, you're going to get 8 or 9 points or you're going to get 23 points. Uh, you know, that's just what I've seen and I I don't think necessarily where he's going to go and drafts is going to be worth it for me uh, to grab him. I mean, if he's there and he's the best player available, uh, I'll, I'll seriously think about it. But for example, in my keeper league, I have AJ Brown and Travis Kelsey, and now I got to think. You know, who am I going to stick with? Part of me is leaning Kelsey because I know he's still a very very focal part of that offense, and I think that there's a chance that Brown's target share regresses just just a little bit this year. But that's because one is catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, and the other is catching passes from Ryan Tannehill.
1: I mean, Tannehill, baby. Tannehill Uh, was... The Tannehill Redemption Tour was last year, Tim. You got to come up Uh, with some new slogan this year. I'm saying, I mean, obviously he's no Mahomes, but uh, he was a league leader last year for a lot of that season. So I don't know if I would necessarily, you know discredit some of his ability or what's going on there. But for me it it's, you know, obviously the skills there. The guy's kinda you know oh yeah, yeah. Done what sure. his thing is. But he's also uh the oldest guy on the offensive side in terms of fantasy starters, tied with one other person, uh, who's also Ryan Tannehill. Uh both of them <laughs> both of them are thirty two years old. So he's going in there up against a bunch of, you know, young, hungry, 23, 24, 26-year-olds. So he's not going to be as fresh as he was. Now we're starting to see players play longer into their career. 30 isn't necessarily old anymore. Um, and that's not, first of all, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say he's an old guy. I'm just saying he's the oldest one on his team. When your uh receiving core is Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, Nick Westbrook, and uh, A.J. Brown. I mean, you're going to stick out a little bit. You're going to get some reps. You're definitely going to get uh, some attention. But in general, I don't know if he's going to have the same output unless they start scheming for him. Because like you said, they got, you know, uh, Derrick Henry always sitting there waiting to take the ball in. Now this could make things more difficult for opposing teams if now you have not just A.J. Brown to plan for, but also Julio Jones, who's out there making plays uh, to kind of spread the field out a little bit. And then you just keep feeding Henry because you saw what happens when you can't stop the guy. When you stop him, the game looks very, very different. Uh, Not a lot of teams were able to do it, but the teams that were able to do it, it was a whole different looking game um, from the Titans' perspective. They didn't have a lot going on in downfield game planning. They didn't have a lot in sort of the middle field game planning. It was either all passes or all running. There were very few games where there was a blend between the two of them. Games that relied solely on passing didn't end with the same success level as they did when Henry was, you know, eaten all game. So, I don't know. I think it could be... I think it could be a little bit of a of a nice mix up for them. Kind of give them a little bit of a different look. It's all going to depend on how consistent he can be. I mean, T- yeah, L. Two I think is, is a big factor. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill was uh, fantasy wise in twenty twenty, he was the seventh ranked QB. Um, Derek Henry, I know. I've been rocking with him for a couple of years. Yeah, even and- though I even though I'm not not really giving him high praise in the pod, he, he's
0: starting for me on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Derek Henry's the the third-ranked running back fantasy-wise. A.J. Brown was the 11th wide receiver. And Julio Jones, he, he comes in in like the 40th to 45th range, something like that. So, you know, he's, he is going to produce. He's going to give a slightly different look. But I think nothing – I think his his participation will be more – making room for Derrick Henry to run because now you're going to have to take away someone who might double team Henry and actually put him out on a receiver to double team a receiver. So um, I'll I'll be interested to see what happens. Is he going to be the same superstar from yesterday or no, but is he going to have some productive games and, and some high output games probably, but I think he's more of a, not a decoy, but I think he's a piece to the puzzle. That is the, the Tennessee offense. He's not an answer. He's not. Uh, he, he's not someone that they're going to game plan around specifically. He is just part of the equation now, which I think is good. And that's what I
0: think makes him a bit of a fantasy nightmare, right? Like if, if you're grabbing him, like he, he's obviously going to be an incredible flex player for you. Okay. But it, as starting as your WR one, probably not. Yep, he might have some value as as a wide receiver two on your fantasy squad, but. For me, I just don't think the volume is going to be there necessarily because of the many mouths to feed. Like defenses aren't just going to allow um, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry to just go and do those things. You know, like eventually they're going to they're they're going to they're going to throw a weird slant to their fourth or fifth receiver on the roster. Like that's that's going to happen. Yep. So I think Julio, like you said, is going to have some incredible plays. He's going to make. I think he's going to have a productive season for fantasy purposes, though. Yeah. Nah. I, I I gotta stay away. You know, and also, if you're drafting Atlanta players, Calvin Ridley now enters a very serious conversation because he's gonna get a ton of volume. Uh and Kyle Pitts is probably in line to get a lot more work than any rookie tight end has gotten in a long time. So speaking yeah. of rookie tight ends, um hey I, I've heard nothing but uh not so good praise about um one Timothy Tebow. Tebow. About one Timothy Tebow.
1: I, haven't, uh, I have not seen any of the news coming out of many camps. to be honest with you. I haven't. Uh, uh, he showed
0: up yoked, wearing, wearing gloves to a walkthrough. But uh, he's caught a couple passes.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. So, so Sam likes to do this thing where he kind of makes up his own <laughs> news stories uh, on the fly. No no no, 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 no. Peter King, Peter King, Football
0: Morning America is out there. Go check it out. Well, 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 well let's
1: well let's 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 recap what it is you heard because sometimes you lean very much one direction only because oh you haven't God. heard information from another direction. You're just assuming. Have you heard negative news? Because I haven't heard any news. So I'm deferring to you on this one. Did you uh, say he's only and... Are you saying he only caught a couple passes? Does that mean he has dropped a lot of passes, or what is that? What are Tim we talking about here?
2: Tebow, Peter King.
1: I mean I got I got twenty four seven sports. To look like Tim Tebow belong to the Jaguars minicamp.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I also see Tim Tebow won't receive thorough look from Jaguars until
2: uh what's this one? Until actual
1: training camp. he's not even necessarily scheduled to be targeted pretty heavily through minicamp, which is check,
0: check checking, checking the tweet machine right now. Checking the
1: tweet machine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stand by everybody. We're going to, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to break news right now. This is how you prepare for (laughs) uh, a recording of a podcast. I'm I'm
0: just saying,
1: I'm just saying. Yes, this is, this is recorded. This is not live. So we could have done all of this prior, but we're bringing you along for the journey. Oh, enough. ESPN Jaguars reporter Mike DiRocco said Monday he looked like he belonged. His fundamentals need work and his footwork is... A he's a Jaguars B reporter. Of getting... course he's going to say that. What? He's... That... The B reporter has no ties to the players. Uh...
0: That's love for the team, now. Just saying it out there.
2: All right. I'm scrolling. It'll take me a minute. I know what I read.
1: Anyway. We'll revisit this one. We'll, 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 we'll get some more in-depth analysis. Uh, when we actually look in depth and analyze this and report back. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. Let's,
0: let's move on until I find this thing and then we'll sweep back in. Uh, let's go ahead and just finish up, you know, the recap of the Bruins and the Celtic seasons. Uh, we said, we'll give them a B in the C. And to be honest, I was hype about the Bruins uh, on the last episode. Yeah, two episodes ago, I, I really was. I, I thought that they had depth. I thought that they were mostly healthy. Yep. Um, they lost in six in this last yeah. uh, series, and obviously Rask was not healthy, giving up some goals. And and, and I lo- I'm back listening to the episode today, and I, and I thought maybe maybe Tim was a little harsh on saying that Rask gives up some soft goals because there were a couple that I, I believe were were pretty difficult, but. Uh, losing a game in OT, you know, to 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 kind of end the series, that, that's a very 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 painful way to go about it. And um, there was a lot a lot of consternation from David Cassidy about whether or not the Islanders were getting some of the calls that uh, the Bruins were. And I think that you have to look at officiating in every series with a grain of salt. Um, for the most part, as long as players aren't going headlong into each other, like what happened between the Habs and the Jets, where a guy got leveled uh with a minute left to go um totally defenseless as long as you don't have those types of things you should be okay but at the same time you can't blame the officiating multiple games in a row you have to adjust as a coach and i don't feel that the bruins necessarily did that um i was relieved i guess in a way to hear that rask was playing through a a torn hip labrum. right like he's gonna have to get surgery on that like he wants to come back next year. He wants to continue to play for Boston, but uh, at the end of the day, like you have Swayman. You have Halak. Like you have other guys that you could have you could have put out there. And I get it. You don't want to mess with the team chemistry. You're going deep into the playoffs, but like Rask is playing on a torn hip. Like, you just what what was the end game for you there? You just think you're just going to continue and just hope that maybe. He doesn't get worse as as the series would go on in in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, that doesn't make sense to me, Tim.
1: Yeah, I think uh, to to be fair, I yes, Rask gives up a lot of easy goals, but that last game was more than just Rask. If you look back, mm-hmm. and if you're mm-hmm. just looking, if you're just looking at you know the score, uh, but what what the do we say on that episode?
0: And- we said we said when they win games, it's usually on the back of Rask and when they lose games, they shouldn't have, it's usually on the back of Rask. And I feel like
1: we almost prophesized
0: the doom there a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't put game, I couldn't put game six on them for, on him solely. Did he give a a, a couple goals that seemed like, you know, weird moves instead of going uh, with a shoulder block, he tried to reach over with his glove to block and totally missed. But two of the goals that got, you know, that appeared to be easy goals were goals that he passed it out. And uh, the defensive men just literally gave it up right in front of him because the Islanders, that entire game, just looked more hungry. They looked like they wanted it more. Uh, the Bruins couldn't complete passes, one, with their own inaccuracy. They looked kind of out of the game completely. And the Islanders never gave up. They looked hungry the entire game. Um, I mean, I made a post midway through and I was like, I mean, someone needs to tell these guys to 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 pass it to the guys in the the black, white, and yellow jerseys because they're definitely not doing that. They were giving it up so many times. They couldn't control the puck in the neutral zone. They weren't making any cross ice passes. It was just it was an ugly, ugly game. And even at six two, I don't think the score really gives the game justice because the whole time you're watching it, you're like, the hell is going on here? Rask would dump it out to a, a defensive end. He would take it up a foot and then cough it up to a defender who's coming in hard towards the goal. And then, you know, at that point, you know, Rask not expecting his player to give it up that closely, wasn't in position to make any kind of play. And it was, you know, they looked uglier um, than they should have, because, again, I can't put those on Rask. Those those are not on him. Uh when your team can't control the puck, they can't do anything on the offensive side, it's going to make a a long night for you. And I think, in my opinion, it was one of those that the Bruins were just totally outplayed. They looked tired. They looked like they uh, had no emotion in the game. They looked like they were just kind of going through the motions. And a a 6-2 to score in a game six of a playoff is, I think, very sort of indicative of what the mindset was going into that and everyone was just sort of checked out. But I do think it might be time to kind of move on from Rask. He won us a bunch uh, post-season wise. He's one of the best, but unfortunately it's a long road to get to the post season. A lot of hockey to get there. And I think he's starting to, you know, it's a lot of hockey when yeah. you get there too. I think that's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. And uh, whether or not they are making enough or focusing enough on finding you know, a dual goalie system so that they can bring someone in or someone they value enough to back up Rask because as good as Rask is, I don't know if he's, like, play through injury good. Uh, well, I take that back. I take that back. I did, I did just, you know, declare him one of the best come playoff season, which he is. Uh, but, I mean, is is he the kind of superstar I would leave in there with injuries, especially to your hips as a goalie? probably not would have made that much of a difference. I don't think so. They just got outplayed would have saved maybe two goals out of that game, out of the six that were given up maybe, but you know, I'm just Monday morning couch coaching here, but I, I I honestly don't think there's anything getting, uh getting the Bruins out of their own way. They had to, they were trying to pull like double shifts just to make up for some of the inconsistencies and in some of the other lines. Uh, they were trying to break up some of the matchups by doing that too. Uh, and it just, you know, lo- lots of things there just weren't on all cylinders. And I think you, you I think they were kind of over, overachieving going into the post season. I think they were, uh, I think, I think the Islanders kind of exposed them a little bit. I think if they got past the Islanders, I don't think they would have gotten much further than that anyway. So, and
0: that, that, I think that was the worst part, right? Uh, when I went back, listened to the episode that we had we had kind of praised the Bruins on I said like look like, this team has grit they've got a lo- they've got depth they've got uh, like some health going for them and all three of those things failed them the Islanders had more depth the Islanders had more speed the Islanders had more grit and the Islanders yep. were healthier and I think that that does matter when you get to the end of the season in the postseason when when you're looking at you know the Stanley Cup playoffs but I do like where the Bruins are going yeah, as as a younger team, but I gotta say, to the coach, don't be coming out and giving any of that shit after your team loses. Talking about officiating, talking about anything less than maybe just being like a little more straightforward. Hey, we weren't the better team tonight. Mm-hmm. Not the refs really, you know, did a sin. Not that's not that's not quite that's the case. Not what happened. We're, we're there, there were definitely some hits that were questionable. There are some calls that could have gone either way, and yes, they weren't called on Islanders players. Go ahead. You know what you can do in between games three and four. Send that to the league. Ask them to take a look at it. Deal with that stuff after the season. Focus in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs about trying to get a game six, win game six to take game seven back to Boston. But you didn't. You didn't keep your eyes on that prize. You just sort of let them get ahead, and then you just. What? I, I, I don't know. I, I understand that hockey with, with open nets, you want to get an extra player on the ice. I absolutely hate that. To me, every time you pull a goalie, you're asking someone to score on you to just end the game. And I felt, for me, the longer they kept Rask in there, the, the more they knew it was going to hurt him in the long run. And I felt like they did him a solid. I felt they were like, hey, come on out. We're not winning this game. But then to lose 6-2 was just super 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 gut-wrenching uh for the season that they've had this year and of course you know now uh, Vegas and and the Canadians since we talked about them last are are doing fantastic uh great things in the playoffs right now so I think we'll I think we're definitely going to see a new pairing this year in the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. finals very excited about it um the Bruins like I think you said they were probably overachieving a little bit and and I I would agree with that I would think that there were some really big structural changes in the way this team is operating at the moment, and I think they've got to continue to tinker a little bit. I think they've got to we got to trade. They got to bring a couple extra defensemen in there. I mean, what's crazy going to do? Like, are you going to extend his contract? Are you going to give a goalie like Swayman, main Grad? Shout out Umaine to the Bears. Uh, are you going to give him a chance to develop? If your if your response is well. Swayman doesn't have more than two NHL starts. Yeah, no kidding. Because you're putting Rask in there because you think Every Rask gives you time. Yeah, you think Rask gives you the best chance to win. I don't disagree with that necessarily. But you just go through a season where Rask is playing with a torn hip ligament. Maybe as he's coming back from recovery, you give Swayman the reins. And you say, hey, this is your seat for a bit. Keep it warm. Don't mess it up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yep. what this team should be focusing on in the future and and getting more depth and trying to get into the this, this salary cap as much as they can. Like, I think the Bruins have a brighter future. I just think we probably bought in too much the fact that they were overachieving this year. Yep. And we thought, wow, this team can do it when they they probably weren't going to. Yeah. And and as we can tell, they 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 just didn't have the grit or the health to go the distance. Yeah.
1: I think the Celtics are... The basketball very, of that same yeah, exact thing. Yeah. 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 Um let, let, and let's let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I obviously with hockey, you can look at a particular position and say, okay, th- there was some work that needed to be done there. That person is the the reason that they ended up in the situation they did. In this case it was Rask. When you look towards the Celtics, there isn't any one person I think you can kind of pin this on, right? I think everyone just failed to perform at the level that was requested of them granted had some injuries going into uh, the tail end of their run in the postseason Tatum trying his best to carry the team still had you know some of his own inconsistency inconsistencies here and there Kimball walker same story he had some of his own inconsistencies and from what i understand this might be the last of the 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 Kemba experiment in uh, Boston going into the postseason. But yeah, same idea going into it. Just not enough. Not enough. I don't know if it's not enough talent or drive or what it was, but something's just not, not there. Tim, when we said in the podcast, I feel like something big needs to happen.
0: Mm -hmm. We weren't advocating for dropping a bomb on the Celtics and just restructuring the team. We were talking like, what you're just mentioning right there about, Possibly moving Kemba Walker, right? Because yep. you want to get something for him. You want to bring another person in there, kind of tinker the lineup. Cool, got it. Marcus, Jalen, like you, you, you got to build around like the, the core of the players that that you've got right now. I totally yep. understand that. I totally understand that. Danny Ainge retiring and Brad Stevens becoming Danny Ainge was about 0. 0.0002 chance percent happening in my head. Absolutely. And I'm not going to say like, Oh my God, it's a race thing or anything like that, because I don't know necessarily enough about it. Obviously Brad was connected enough with the organization to, to make a case. I can do Danny's job. Yep. Here's my question. If they're going to bring in a new coach, that person needs to be cutthroat that because this team needs to play complete, like completely different. And if Stevens has been the guy that's been advocating for bringing these people onto the team, is he just not able to, like, gel those personalities? I, I don't understand uh, that. Because yeah. if you're going to beat Danny Ainge, you're going to bring in more
1: players like a what's on the team right now, right? Yeah, and I mean, don't don't get me wrong. They've had some pretty good success with that model. Like, let's not sell them short. Here, here's one of my big problems with sports fandom, especially sports fandoms in New England. We have such recency bias where we take it every season and completely forget the seasons that came before it. If we look at the last five, six, seven years of Celtics basketball, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to complain about. Like, did we bring home an NBA Finals? No, but we made it deeper into the playoffs, and a lot of those in more seasons than some teams have actually even made it into the playoffs. So. We made a run at it last year. Granted, it was sort of a weird hybrid season. We made a run at it this year. We've made runs at it previous years. We've won it, you know, in the last 10 years. So, like, I can't necessarily point at the model and say this doesn't work. Like, one team can win every year, and that's just sort of how it goes, regardless of how the chips stack up, how good you are. And in in a league where the super team is becoming the bigger and bigger priority, That goes hand-in-hand with your bank account, right? So the Celtics, they spend a lot. They have the potential to really overspend like a lot of other teams, but they tend to find success using guys who aren't necessarily bank-breaking guys. Like Tatum will eventually get to the point where he'll probably require a very, very large contract to keep him around, and then we might see sort of the Mookie Betts move where he goes elsewhere and gets paid, you know, the Brinks truck. But, um. I mean, I I, don't hate the model that they're in, whether or not I think they need to bite the bullet and start overextending for some big players. I think this is sort of a, a test season, and we've seen the Lakers get knocked out. We've seen the, the Nets. You know, they were in a brutal, brutal position uh, in the tail end of their series. So... Maybe super teams aren't the answer. The league is kind of in this weird up-and-down place where nobody's really sure which direction to go in. Are you going to end up seeing some crazy, crazy series at the, you know, come finals where there's like one or two notable guys on each team? Uh, It's Definitely starting to look that way. So I think the league itself is sort of in a weird transition. I don't necessarily... I don't even know if I necessarily agree with uh, Brad Stevens getting bumped to Danny Ainge's position, I know there's a lot of controversy around the league about him only getting it because he's white, and and you know all of those conversations that are going on. Um, it's difficult to pinpoint and say yes or no. Yeah. Obviously, he's
0: got the relationship with the front office, but we just saw Steve Nash get the head coaching job for the Nets, for example. So, like, if, if you have the prowess and you have the resume, I think that's what organizations and the board of governors yeah. are, are more apt to do. Like, yeah. if you've got the you have the pedigree and you're current. We're going to take you.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it I think is experimental. And I think you can look towards baseball for a lot of sort of this experimenting in other uh, these other leagues based off of, you know, former athletes because you have uh, like Boone who came in and coached for the Yankees and they had some success and you had Cora who's coming and he's now coached. You have Dave Ross who's now coaching and they're finding some success. I don't know if it was necessarily like what's, you know, what's the best way to go about recruiting for a head coaching position, someone who's played that position, or do we go with someone who has come up through, I mean, to get a coaching position in the NBA level, you probably started at like a high school level a long time ago, or a college level a long time ago, and you kind of worked your way up through it. So you've seen tested and proven methods and, and coaching and whether or not that translates. Maybe not a hundred percent um i I know the you know generally the 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 term or the phrasing those who can't do coach might actually lead to some of the reasons why you see a lot of these guys who are getting coaching positions because they're strategizing they're looking at books they're able to do things better than they could as actual players the same way players focus more on their their specific role, the role of maybe the guy next to him or someone they interact with in situational basketball. They're maybe not as good at bigger picture. And I I follow a lot of the uh, I follow a lot of guys on Instagram and I constantly see, you know, some of them come out and be like, this is why you can't have guys who haven't played coaching. Or, this is why you can't have guys. I agree with a lot of them who say you can't have guys who have never played uh ref the sport. Because that's a different conversation. Like I feel yeah. like referees should have, you know, basketball somewhere in their resume. Should have a couple calls that gone against you to make sure that you don't do it to other people. Yeah, so you kind of know what to look for. So you know what's a flagrant. So you know what's on purpose. You know what's what's going on there. Um, but I feel like NBA, like a lot of things now, um, NFL included. Race is a big hot button topic that's going on right now, and I'm constantly seeing, you know, race brought up in almost everything. There was uh, the ejection that happened. Um, what Jokic? The other night. With Jokic the other night, where the guy got ejected. Yet there's still people all over social media saying like, "Oh, if he was black, X, Y, Z would have happened." I'm like, I don't know what more would have happened. The guy got ejected, so it seems like. Not all instances of sports require that level of conversation. I don't know if Brad Stevens taking over that position is one of those that requires that conversation. I think it's a guy who's had success in a position, and the timing was right. You know, we everybody knows someone who's been in a good position at work and has lucked out because they were holding a position when something opened up and they were able to just move into it just by luck and timing. resume all of that sort of stuff. And I think this is one of those situations where he was in the right place at the right time and the situation opened up. He's a guy familiar with the system. He's a guy who's been involved and has had a lot of success. From what I understand, he has a lot of respect from the guys, not only in the clubhouse, but on the team itself. So if you're going to put someone in that position, why not start there? Interview him first. And if he doesn't work out, open it up to the broader audience but i don't know why you would first look out of house for any particular reason but i I guess i guess that's a decent counterpoint yeah so i mean it's like i i I get the conversation i get that we need more diversity in coaching i get that we need a lot of that but i don't think every one of these scenarios is one of those where okay maybe maybe when the Celtics position open up uh Maybe that was more of a conversation on on race and, and coaching and hiring and whatnot. But for this particular move, you have a guy who's established. You probably talk to everybody in the locker room. You probably talk to everybody you know, on the different teams that surround the coaching position. You take in their feedback. You look at his record, what he's been able to do, and say, okay, why not give it to him and then start from there? right make your pros and cons and if the pros outweigh the cons and then you stack it up against hiring someone outside the organization I'm willing to bet that he was probably a really good fit for what he's trying to do right now it's a different conversation for his replacement and how they go from there you know that I don't know and, and that's that's what I hope right I
0: hope that they bring in a coach who I don't want to say Brad didn't coach the players hard. I I, I can't I can't say that. No, nothing I've seen in in their effort over the last, you know, however many years he's been the coach has has proven to me that he he can't inspire the players. There have been
1: incredible moments. Yeah. But there's been a lot of <sighs> idling. I think there's a I think there's a talent imbalance that's happening right now where you have Tatum uh yeah, brown it's smart you know those guys and then everybody else problem is those three guys aren't necessarily super players they're not they're not the same three caliber of players you would consider a super team right you brought in kemba to see if you could bolster some of that and he did okay you brought gordon hayward in to see if he could do that and he had some success as well but that didn't quite stack up so There seems to be sort of an imbalance between the top two players, maybe the top three players, and then the rest of the team, including the bench. So I think there's definitely some needs they need to address. They got to get a little bit more aggressive on defense. They need to get someone who can shoot as well, so it's not on one guy to put up 30 to 40 points while everyone else is 18 points, 15 points on average. So, yeah, some changes need to come um danny Ainge being in a position where he can focus more on like player development player scouting player recruiting not necessarily quite as much in the day-to-day activities in the uh, coaching might be a good change but a change was definitely needed so we're gonna have to see definitely what happens but uh i
0: i think if we talked about the bruins overachieving i think the celtics definitely underachieved uh this season just based on the expectations that we came into with the fact that in the bubble, you take the heat in the Easter conference finals to seven, you're thinking, cool. That's the floor. That's the floor. You, you should be able to handle biz. And like, it was, and maybe, maybe, you know, it had something to do with the fact that like the season started pretty much right after the bubble ended. Like it could be a lot of those things, but man, yep. man, 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 man. I feel like we expected just a little bit more and, I think there's there's rightfully so. There's there's a time to complain and there's a time to make change and I think we're we're there. And I will be very surprised if we see a similar team next season. I, I think yeah. if, if you're gonna blow up the coaching position and, and the GM, you're probably gonna blow up many other parts of of the organization, I'm sure. Right. So I gotta I gotta be a little Jekyll and Hyde here before we finish up this episode of the Stats and Murder Podcast. Uh, talking about the you know recapping this UFC fight, because uh, I had a thought that I typed yeah. it up in the notes and I put it there, uh, and then so, some other stuff's come to light, Tim, okay? so okay, listen, 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 Linda, listen. I know you've you've had some thoughts about the Paul Brothers and yeah. the end of boxing. Yeah, um, this was my thought two weeks ago, and I quote, "Logan Paul makes it out alive of an eight round exhibition fight." He's apparently a real boxer now. Give me a goddamn fucking holy Jesus Christ! Bring me off piece of this Kit Kat bar with this bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't remember that either.
0: Then, then, yeah. Last weekend, I, I I saw clips of the Lamar Odom Aaron Carter fight. <laughs> and now, Tim, I I don't want to say this. I don't want to say yeah. this out loud, but I'm saying it. Give me the Paul Brothers. I, I just <laughs> like I I don't I don't I, I don't I hundred percent I. I don't like what they're doing for boxing, but the Paul brothers unfortunately bring a level of competition that is not celebrity death match in a farce, like a guy like Lamar Odom who was, I don't even know how to say this. I,
1: I didn't see any of it. I just, it, from the, the yeah, like, my, Instagram clips I saw, it was ugly. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It's I, a thing I would, now. I, yeah, I, I I hate to say this. I said I'm not gonna watch the Paul brothers fight.
0: I would pay to watch the Paul brothers fight actual boxers, so he, <laughs> rather than um, celebrities get together. Ugh, yeah. So
1: he, so here's, it's funny that you just said this because I was thinking. You know, I got a couple guys. Uh, you know, some of my close friends, and we're constantly talking about, and they're always shitting on uh, boxing now, and I, I know none of them actually watch a lot of boxing because they asked me how many I pay-per-viewed in the last year and there's been some incredible fights over the last year so I know none of them are actual fans they're just going off of what you know they see in the news or like what the social media trends are or any of that stuff Um so I, I cut them a little bit of slack but they they keep, they keep trying to talk about what boxing is now and how all of this is an embarrassment and what I keep trying to say to everybody is this is not a reflection of boxing this is not a reflection of what boxing is as a sport or what boxing is as a skill level what this is is a real life version of celebrity deathmatch where you have yeah. these people who think they can this is more of a comment <sighs> yep. on society than it is on the sport. oh of boxing. we're
0: going galaxy brain here let's yeah. go
1: because th- what what it is is people are tuning in to watch people who shouldn't be in a boxing, boxing ring at all with somebody with who has a history of fighting and you're just hoping that one of the two gets their ass kicked for one of two reasons one you're watching a celebrity get their ass kicked by a professional boxer or you're seeing a professional athlete get upset by a you know YouTube celebrity like it's this isn't you're not tuning in to watch Boxing. Boxing is the middle ground between, you know, people wanting to watch someone get their ass kicked and having them have somewhat of a chance, right? The reason they're not doing MMA, because you put someone in there who's learning how to box for a year against someone who's been a trained MMA fighter in jujitsu, taekwondo, plus boxing. It's not even the same thing. It's just there's no fairness to any of it, which is why Conor McGregor and Mayweather got in and did a boxing match because everybody knows and to add nauseum, when you listen to the comments or read the comments, yes, if Floyd Mayweather was put inside of an octagon, he'd be tapped out within the first round, the first minute of the first round, he'd go into a, an arm par or some sort of like stranglehold. And, and that's all it would take. So that's not even the conversation we're trying to have. We get it. MMA, bar-room, bar-style fighting with some more finesse and some whatever. Yeah, it's a very different category of fighting than what boxing is. Now, that's not to say boxing is a lesser sport because right now, boxers versus MMA, uh, it, it's basically zero wins for MMA. Every time they've yep. stepped in a ring with a boxer, they've lost because there is some sort of strategy to it. Now Ben Askren is not at all the benchmark for strikers in MMA, so that's that's a bad comparison. Um, we'll see what happens with the next Paul brother fight with someone who actually does have a little bit of, with, of striking uh, ability. With Woodley, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's and still that not has... a great matchup, but it's better than no. Ben Askren. Like there isn't yeah. anybody I would look at in the MMA world and be like, oh, they could probably go toe to toe with a decent boxer because it's just a different style it's not it's just not the same so what you're paying for when you're watching the paul brothers what you're paying for when you're watching any of these stupid
0: well i mean first of all if
1: you're paying to watch the paul brothers you're paying the paul brothers that's yeah. what you're
0: doing yeah
1: so... well not in this one uh he no got most it, of it
0: went to floyd uh,
1: all pretty much all of it went to floyd except he got a uh he got a portion of the pay-per-view uh and then he had afterwards the controversy with like did he actually knock him out, and was he held up? Like, first of all, it doesn't matter. It was an exhibition. It was an exhibition fight. Like it. Yeah. Who, who gives a shit? Like, if he held up, there was no Twitter. judges. <laughs> there was no actual fighting. The fact that he didn't get knocked out in the first few rounds is a little bit of a testament. He, and that's he tagged that's him. Why I... he tagged Mayweather a couple times. Uh, he yeah. got tagged a couple times and actually stood in there and continued to hold his ground. I'm gonna pump the brakes. And uh, he's—is he a professional boxer? No, no. At best, he's like an early amateur fighter. If he wanted to do like the amateur circuit and fight like opera rooms and things like that, he could probably get in and, and maybe find Tyler <laughs> Durden. Yeah, maybe he can find some success on, on that circuit. But are they gonna start booking him for like major fights? No, because you know he did fight a guy who's old and retired. Let's be honest. So. Um, I was actually more impressed by his ability than I was his brother's ability. If I'm being honest, his brother kind of went in and, and granted, I, we, we've had some we small had sample that, sizes. Though. Like we haven't yeah. seen a lot of what's going on. So it's tough to really match the two of them up together. But in this one fight against someone like Roy Mayweather, who's the best counter puncher, you know, who's ever stepped in the ring, maybe. I mean, maybe Lomachenko might be up there as well, but, I mean, he's his whole bread and butter has been sort of the dodge and return, dodge and return. So, I mean, that was a hell of a challenge. Now, Mayweather's not known for his knockout power, so it might have been different to say he was in the ring with someone like Canelo Alvarez who would put a, put one shot on him and, and, and knock him out. So, no, this one sample size is enough for me to say Logan Paul is a, a professional boxer. It was better than I was expecting it to be. Even though the fight itself was kind of still not not amazing. And to preface, I never thought he would win. I only said there was a there was always a chance within boxing <laughs> that he could win. Cause he, he landed a couple oh, of those. Boy. And all he it did, takes yeah. is a, you know, one 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 like fluke punch to a fifty year old man's temple to like stumble you, somebody. But no. You've course- watched you've you've rewatched that pikey boxing scene from the movie
0: Snatch. That guy, richie directed with Brad Pitt when he had that, you know, one punch and puts down Butterbean. Well, You've watched that scene too many times. No, no, it, no. It and wouldn't have taken is... one punch from the Paul. We, we, we can't, we can't get into the weeds in this. No, no, I already no. I went through no. my and catharsis. Is, I said I hated it, and then I said, "Give me
1: the Paul brothers." I feel dirty for saying it, and I don't yeah. want to keep talking about it. No, you. no, no. But here's here's the segue, and here's why you always have to stop and say like, "There's that one chance," because if you watch UFC this weekend. You saw the Nate Diaz fight. Going into that fight, I yeah. thought
0: 100%. Let's talk about that. Talk about that. Yeah,
1: 100%. <laughs> I was like, this isn't going to be much of a fight. Diaz is going to get outworked. It's not going to be that great. I mean, am I a fan of Diaz? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, because he puts on entertaining fights. But I got I to gotta be honest. With this fight, it, it kind of looked lazy. Like, he was doing some weird shit in there where he was, like, pretending to do something. And then he'd swing into punch. But all of it was, like, super obvious. But, but, despite taking hard elbows to the face, despite being down the entire fight, he had an opportunity, with a minute left, to win that fight. He rocked Edwards. Like, he hit him, and you could see that Edwards had no idea where he was or what was going on. His eyes were not looking at Diaz. His eyes were... Looking beyond everybody, he was stumbling. And for whatever reason, whether or not it's sort of like, in my opinion, the way I look at it, Diaz touts himself as like this man of honor and this guy who lives by a code. I think he kind of knew he lost that entire fight and got out fought the entire time. And I think he knew he probably could have ended it right there. But for some reason, somewhere inside, he thought. You know, I don't, I don't deserve this or something because it was it was very strange. He Literally, he went in, rocked him, he stumbled, and instead of going in to finish, he went in, took a step, step back, pointed, gave him the finger, gave him a second to kind of recoup, and then went back in to fight him again, and then still, almost won that fight. Edwards had to to literally clench the remainder of that fight to win. So that is that is a prime example of somebody who got their ass kicked the entire fight. For five But if you have a chance to win the fight, you should
0: win the fight. Yeah, no, like, I'm just he I'm, lost just, his I'm last laughing last five fights now. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like why wouldn't you just knock this dude out if you had the opportunity?
1: Yeah, and and that I I don't I know some of it's about showmanship. I know some of it's about like putting on a good show and he always puts on a good show. One of the stoppages he had in his last five fights may not have been fair. So what what people who might you know aren't aren't dedicated MMA fans don't know is that Diaz cuts easy above his eye. He has such a buildup of scar tissue, it doesn't take a lot to open that up. So every one of his fights ends up in a bloody mess. And you know the Banff title fight that he had uh, against Masvidal, a lot of people think that got cut early because I'm. It got ended early because of that same cut, because it was open, and yeah, it looked bad, but it's not uncommon for him. It's just, you know, some of these places when they, they roam, they, they go based off of whatever the local commission rules are, and it, it, you know, it is what it is. He gets fights because he puts on entertaining fights, but my point was more, that was an example of that at any given moment within a fight, no matter how lopsided or one-sided it is, there's always that like one moment where things can swing drastically, right? Which is why when I, I won't bet on fights, I will not bet on fights ever because I understand that seemingly better than a lot of people who don't seem like to understand that it is possible at any given moment for someone to get clocked. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it, uh, you know, Over and over with fights where somebody's down and out, and they just happen to land that one punch and it's lights out, or enough damage is done, they're able to kind of go in and finish that fight. Like Tyson Fury has had one of those fights, he was literally dead out cold on the mat, and you're like, Oh, this one's over and he like someone literally wrapped strings around his body and picked him up like a marionette puppet off the ground came up and ended hmm. up coming back and winning that fight so like i'm excited for fury Wilder 3 though yeah that'll be a good one, to but say that's that's hate what i'm, to say talking it, but I'm excited about. so like did i ever think like just to wrap up the paul thing did i ever think paul was going to win that fight or did i think logan was going to win that fight no i didn't but i couldn't necessarily say a young guy who's been training however long with the people he's training with might not land one of those lucky punches and cause some kind of damage. I couldn't say that because you see examples of it. He had like 20 pounds or so on Mayweather going into that fight. So there was always that off chance. But the Diaz fight was an example of why you can't ever count anybody out in a fight. The guys lost his last five fights. Literally almost knocked a dude out in the last minute of a fight where he got his ass kicked the entire time now Diaz is a, is a very very tough dude and not everybody's the same caliber but that's a prime example of it now someone who handled their business exactly the way everybody thought they were is uh Israel Adesanya uh yeah going up against Marvin this? Vittori
0: um yeah why, why did this fight even happen like the bender is a cut above I don't understand why marvin even had a shot at him this well, did not
1: make any sense to me it, it's why they gave him the the, the fight but it wasn't uh i don't think the title was up for grabs i think this was just well no uh, but it's just like you 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 don't have any business nah, i mean i think I, I think they needed a fight they needed payday that was a the matchup they wanted there was a you know i guess you could call it a close fight earlier in their careers against each other so this yeah was maybe a but by of the end of it, it was adesanya
0: was like Holt like holding on to him and like making faces and laughing like
1: oh it, man. It was, it he was, was doing not... he was
0: doing the diaz but he was actually winning the fight unlike diaz
1: yeah th- i mean a lot of that was to kind of clown Vittori a little bit because of Vittori this whole time ever since their first fight and if you saw any of the the press conferences leading up to this still th- still thinks he won that initial fight which he did not win that initial fight either so this was really to kind of drive it home and supposedly there were comments after this after this one where i think he said he won the first one and, and may have even thought he won this one too but it wasn't <laughs> even close like there's a much no. there's isn't much about this one that needs to be sort of dove into uh what we're looking at is someone who's clearly one of the best fighters of our generation when it comes to MMA um has he won them all no he hasn't he, he hasn't won them all he does have a loss on there but he wins in amazing fashion against guys who are bigger than he is and stronger than he is, but that man is so technical and so fast. It really is uh, 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 an amazing thing to watch every time he's out there. Uh, I had a chance to meet him a few years ago right after he won the belt the first time um, uh, where I work. We got some TV screens next to us, and we actually had some MMA playing, playing on the background and uh like we had heard he might be coming down towards where we were so kind of stayed a little bit after work shout out uh matt d tomaso who who listens to the podcast uh he's my resident uh mma expert i go to um but him and i worked together we kind of hung out for a while sure enough uh one of the reporters he was gonna be speaking with came down and uh, or sorry, his team came down before the reporters. So they had some time to kill and they saw the the fight on behind us and they were kind of like moseying around, but you know, I've always been pretty good at, you know, having conversations out sounding like that over eager or, or the creep. So just striking up some conversation with guys on his team, um, you know, in front of us where we sat, it, it looked like a bar basically behind us were a couple of TVs, but you know, we, we were doing it work. Um, But they came up, and they posted up, and you know started shooting the shit, and Adesanya came over. He's like, oh. And he started talking about the fight to Adesanya. He's like, oh, you guys have my fight, because this was right off the title fight. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you got it. So he put it on, and we watched his entire fight, and he recapped the whole thing to us
0: live. Amazing.
1: Live. And, you know, you hear... When they talk about uh, like Mike Rabel and his uh, uh, photographic memory, Edisoni was literally breaking the fight down the same way. He was like, "Okay, now watch. He's gonna step to the right and throw a right punch. I'm gonna faint back, and then I'm gonna lead in with a left hook. I'm gonna catch him on the chin. And when he steps right, I'm gonna lean in with my right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stumble him. And sure enough, like that's that's exactly what's going on. We got to hold the belt. We got to do everything. I didn't ask to take a picture of him because he was so cool about the whole thing, but. I do have a it's picture. so amazing.
0: I d- I didn't know that Dunner Mifflin paper company actually like had uh, <laughs> days for their employees
1: like that. <laughs> I, mean, I work at Dunner Mifflin. I do live in Connecticut, so A plus B. Is- uh, yeah, Dunner Mifflin. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. yep. But uh, no, he was uh, he was incredibly cool. He was down to earth. Uh, I'm I'm definitely i uh, I'm definitely a huge fan. So um, I tune into every one of his fights. Um, now in my new role, I have to watch all the fights. I watched every oh, uh, every minute. You of poor the- baby. I know. It's very difficult. So where someone has to do it, though. It's very difficult, but you know we appreciate your
0: service. That's <sighs> what I well, can do. I, but. I, I think I think that I think that's a good pin in it for this episode. You know, yeah. I I do think that um, we've been a little a little spoiled. There've been a couple really really good UFC cards lately. Yep. So this one this one was good. It wasn't great. It was yeah. A three six on uh Tim's <laughs> ratings
1: <laughs> i get, I'd give him on that anytime you get diaz on a card with uh because the um you had them you had a title card and then you had his a uh, title fight and then you had Adesanya. um I'm totally totally just spacing on that middle card but the uh the title fight to see it to go to um a first time winner was yeah. Uh, from mexico yeah yeah it was amazing like the emotion yeah, the kinda, moment that uh, he
0: and adesanya had after the fight was was awesome because adesanya like you know himself he's just like jumping around and then uh, that champion i'm spacing on his name as well at the moment but he was like visibly limping as he's walking towards adesanya and there's just so much mutual respect between the two i mean one of them has a black eye uh you know and he's limping and the other one's like yo i'm a, I'm a huge fan of your of your style I, I really love what you did in the ring time like you're gonna be great like keep it up like those are the lebron devin booker moments of ufc that i think that we need and maybe that's why the card was the way it was um i'm of the mindset that once you defend your title a couple times you shouldn't go on any cards except to defend your title yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. You just that's that's just that's just my thought about it but i do think this was a good card it wasn't a great card i mm-hmm. think we got somewhere in the middle um but I'm, I'm interested to see definitely where the fights go of course shout out to ultimate fighter because it's back on the app um <laughs> yeah. and oh, you know uh, back in the uh, season
1: Brendan Brendan moreno is moreno the guy from mexico who won yeah that was um yeah
0: it was a good fight it was a really good fight he
1: was a severe underdog i actually had him losing the fight everybody who was asking me who i had i got but not betting i, I got both you of them. don't bet no i don't fight that's betting, what you said this episode i have <laughs> betting friends who asked me uh and unfortunately I, I i got two out of the three correct but um unfortunately or unfortunately for you because you didn't bet on them well unfortunately for the guys to give the advice to but uh yeah brandon moreno <laughs> uh and it was a submission so sh- yeah i total brain brain fart but if you if you can go back and and rewatch that because everybody thought he was going to lose kind of in that stand up um but i i mean i don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it but uh it did not go as planned <laughs> he wins by submission and you kind of see it unfolding and you're like oh shit oh shit he's going to win this and then he wins and just he's the the emotion when he's getting handled the bell and when he's being announced and after the game is just just amazing so worth awesome. worth a rewatch Awesome, awesome, awesome.
0: Well, Tim, as we draw this episode of Sasserender Podcast to a close, we are in the summer. Mm. It's stout weather, apparently. Um, but teams seasons. are reporting to. Yeah, teams are reporting to camp. Some players are holding out, wanting new contracts. Some players are showing up. Uh, some players look good. Some mm. players do not. And I think at the end of the day, we're moving. Towards the start of the football season, I don't hate it.
1: Actually, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to cut you off right there. I don't want to talk about it. We're just getting to the swing of uh, of of summer, <laughs> and the moment we start counting down for football, I feel like <laughs> summer goes on fast track until it's there. So I'm going to pretend we didn't talk about it. I'm going to ask you instead. U.S. Open predictions That was me rewinding. U.S. Open predictions.
0: U.S. Open. You have
1: two minutes, sir. Or less, whatever um, I
0: think I think DJ is pretty upset about you know not making the cut last time. I think obviously speech in in the, in the conversation, and I also think now that we have the the Bryson Brooks conversation mm-hmm. uh, going on with the match three uh, yeah. with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, uh, <laughs> I, I tend to believe that that will be probably composed of the top five. I think Colin Morikawa is is obviously surging as of late. Um, if I had to guess. I'd probably say DJ or speed. I think one of them is, is prime for, mm. for a break. I think we're going to have some memeable moments with, uh with Bryce, <laughs> Bryson and, and yeah. Brooks. And I'm going to be happy about it because people are talking about the sport, but uh, that that's who I would go with either DJ or, or speed. Got it.
1: All right. Um, My heart keeps leaning towards speed. Cause I really, really want him to see, I, I want to see him win again. Um, I actually don't think it's going to be Bryson. I know he's the sort of the Vegas lead. I know uh, a lot of, a lot of different groups have him rated in that top slot. But for me, I just don't know if the accuracy outside of, I mean, long drives are great. He seems to be somewhat inconsistent when it comes to some short irons. Uh, not that he's not good. He's fantastic but obviously i think we've seen in the past where he's kind of stumbled a little bit the problem is he is always in the conversation but i think this is one of those where you know rom's gonna come off of his you know force right. archer Cause, cause, from yeah when uh you know he was just completely smoking the memorial um and then you know, when he tested positive positive positive. covid tests yeah that little reminder that covid is still a thing and it still exists he was leading by six points was 18 under uh, before even teeing off on a Sunday, that is an incredible score. Um, but it also shows you the difference between, like, some of these regular tournaments and what an open looks like or what a major looks like, sorry. Uh, but, I mean, he's playing incredibly well, so uh, it's a tough one for me. I would say Rom is probably my front runner, Uh as much as it pains me to say uh, Bryson. It's going to be, I think him and JT might be tied for Justin Thomas. I think they might be tied for uh, second, so second and third. And I, I think Spieth comes out and he plays well. If he can put together four consecutive solid rounds or stumble a little bit on day one and then kind of work his way through the rest of the weekend, he has a chance. He did win this already once before. Um, and I know everyone looks at that and says, Please, that's not that's you know it's Jordan Spieth, that's not going to happen. But 2015, not that long ago, and that's when he won. So, uh, I I I can't say I can't say no. I can't I can't rule him out. He's surging lately, and I'm I'm wondering if it all comes together, you know, at that perfect moment. So, I'll t- I'll toss him in there. I I think he'll I think he'll finish top ten.
0: Who, Speeth or Bryson? Speeth. Hmm.
1: right Bry- Bryson's, yeah, Bryson's like a shoe-in for top ten. It's just whether or not he has one day where he kind of shoots himself in the foot. But I know Jordan's a little bit of a, a stretch bet if you were gonna go top ten just historically, but uh um all
0: right. Yeah. A little Elon Musk face. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little stink face. I I I I I don't tend to think, you know, that there's too much movement that's around the top. I, I did, I did tend to forget about John Rom because, <laughs> you know, usually a COVID, a, a positive COVID diagnosis takes people out for a few weeks, uh, within getting back. So I, I, I don't necessarily think he he would raise the level of challenger in my head. It, it certainly could happen. Yeah. Um, what we will see, we will see.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, you're 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 a golfer now. I see, I see, I see your Instagram tags. I see your uh, I see your posts did, now. Yeah. You are, yep, you are in it now, and I am here for it. Uh, I haven't golfed yet this season. You've already out golfed me, and as a casual golf fan coming into this podcast, uh, I think it's time to fully pull you in. I'm gonna need some dedication <laughs> for the majors. We can we can skip the rest of them. Watch them on the app. Yep. Yeah, we can <laughs> skip the rest of them we can skip i mean i'll I'll give you the ones that you should pay attention to throughout the year majors i'm gonna need your full attention uh yeah (laughs) look at me look at me yeah i'm the golfer now (laughs) it's father's day on sunday so you know shout out to all the dads like you thank you thank you i have zero plans i don't know what i'm gonna do yet uh seems i might be celebrating someone else's birthday on that day so you know i'm here for whatever it is but uh Yeah, man, this is a weekend where I'm going to need you to, like, focus, buckle down, give me your Thursday through Sunday. Crack my knuckles. Do we need to put a wager on it? Is that, is that how I get you involved? Uh, no, 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 no I, I'll pay attention, don't worry. Well, because you yeah. still owe me beers from the last one. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was gonna give you a chance to get it back. No, although, no, 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 no. This is how bookies I th- work. I think, how if I think if you're comparing, I think if we're comparing, <laughs> you are significantly <laughs> up right now given what I have to wear on day one of opening Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm going to take it and leave it. All right. But, all that right.
0: does it for this episode of the Stats of Matter Podcast. We thank everyone for the support. Uh, we will talk in the future about football. Get a little baseball action going on here. Uh, we got to talk a little MLS. Obviously, the, the Euros, and it's almost like... We're almost in Olympic season. Mm -hmm. Very excited. Very excited for that. So we thank you all for the support. Stay tuned. Big things coming. Cheers, folks.